on, on during the week. So what you're preaching on, I'm like, oh, we're going to continue with Matthew 18. We're not finished yet. <laughs> so a five-week sermon series. I think we're in week seven now. Uh, but I promise you, this is the last one. Well, we hope so. The last one. Um, but it's been such a journey, and you guys haven't listened to all six or seven sermons. Please go log on to um, Podbean. It's a free app. You just go to Podbean, and then you download Aces Family Church, and all our sermons are there. Um, so you can listen to those sermons for the last few weeks. But the last few weeks, we spoke about a couple of things. And the whole thing of Matthew, let me just catch up with you guys this morning. The whole thing of Matthew 8, 18 just started with Jesus really having a discussion with his disciples. Or his disciples approaching Jesus and saying to him, look, there's certain things we're not understanding right now. And Jesus does this phenomenal job. If you go study it, you know, he speaks to them. And, and of course, the disciples start off first thing. They say, like, who's going to be your favorite in a sense? You know, who's going to be the greatest amongst us? Who's, who, who's, the, who's the top dog out of these 12 in a sense? You know, what is the kingdom going to look like? And Jesus speaks to him. He says to the man, you know, you could become like a little child. You need to humble yourself. Um, and so he chats around those few things with them and, and then he speaks about offenses and then he speaks about that if a hand caused you to sin, cut it off. I want you to go read it because it sounds like quite a, quite a mean story, but it's not really. And then he speaks about the stray, the, those in the family that go lost and we need to take care of them and all these kinds of things. Um, and last week we finished off where he spoke about, you know, how we deal with our brothers, um, you know, how do we deal with sin within the church and those kinds of things. And in verse 21 of 18, I'm going to start this morning, because it's like the discussion ends, and as the discussion ends, you know, you can just check Peter's always an overachiever, you know, I don't know if he's had an issue or something, but the word says, and I'm going to read you, but Peter basically sneaks up to Jesus after this conversation, he says, wait, there's a few things I need to understand, but more, and I'm going to pick it up in verse 21, and verse 21, he says this, he says, and then Peter came to him and said, Lord, how often shall I forgive my brother who sins against me? And I forgive him up to seven times. And Jesus turns around and said, I do not say to you up to seven times, but I say to you 70 times seven. And therefore the kingdom of heaven is like a certain thing. And I'm going to catch up, sorry there. But Jesus starts speaking about forgiveness. And let me tell you something this morning. That forgiveness is probably the toughest thing us human beings have to face. And I'm not speaking about, I'm sorry. I'm not speaking about, oh well, you know, I'm going to let this thing slide. I want to speak about genuine forgiveness. Forgiveness that changes our hearts. Forgiveness that changes our lives. The Word of God says, the truth shall set you free. And it's so important this morning because forgiveness is something that we really struggle with. Now, I'm really speaking about true forgiveness. I want to speak about true forgiveness because this is a real hard subject. Because I don't think there's one person in this room that has not been hurt by somebody. That has not been offended by someone. That has not been cast aside or maybe ignored by someone. There's not one person in this room this morning that you have not offended someone, that you have not gossiped about someone, that you have not hurt someone's feelings, that you maybe have said things that you should not have said. Amen? And Jesus, I love this, because he always comes up with these most amazing analogies, you know? And he comes up with this parable, and I'm going to read it to you, because he speaks about what the kingdom of heaven is like. But I want you to listen to you because he's speaking to disciples and what he's really speaking about is the process of heaven and hell. 
That's what he's speaking about this morning. This is exactly what he wants to mention this morning. And he does it in such a subtle way. Because when you read this thing, you go, oh, but where's the grace of God in this thing? Just listen to this. So he carries on and says this. He says, and Jesus said to him, um, seven times seven, he says, therefore the kingdom of heaven is like a certain king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. And when he had begun his settling accounts, one was brought to him that owed him 10,000 talents. Now listen to me, 10,000 talents was 375 Ton of silver. Alright? 375 ton of silver. That's what he owed. 10,000. And the word, got, um, and when he had, because verse 25. And when he was not able to pay, his master commanded that he be sold with his wife and his children and all that he had and that the payment be made. Then the servant fell down before him, saying, Master, I have patience, please have patience with me. I will pay you all. Then the master of that servant was moved with compassion, releasing him and forgiving him all his debt. But the servant went out and found a fellow servant who owed him a hundred denarii, which is basically a hundred days' wages. A denarii is one day's wages. Owed him a hundred denarii. All right? He said, um, and laid his hands on him and took him by the throat, saying, Pay me what you owe. So that he said to his fellow servant, fell down at his feet and begged him, saying, Have patience with me, and I will pay you all. And he would not, but went and threw him into prison until he could pay the debt. So when his fellow servants saw what had done, they were very grieved and came and told the master all that had been done. And then the master, after he had called him, said to him, You wicked servant. I forgave you all your debt because you begged me. Should you not also have had compassion on your fellow servant, just as I had pity on you? And his master was angry and delivered him to the torturer until they should pay all the debt that was due to him. So my heavenly Father also will do to you, each of you, from his heart, does not forgive his brother and his trespasses. That's quite a hectic statement. It's quite a hectic statement. He says that he, he says basically, if you're not going to forgive, then I can't forgive. We said the Lord's Prayer. So often we say, Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Forgive us as trespassers as we, in the same manner, forgive others that have trespassed against us. And so he carries on, he says, This is what the kingdom of heaven is like. He says that we've got to get to a place where you and I can truly understand what forgiveness is. Forgiveness for me. I think it's probably been one of the hardest things in my life. Um, I take things very personal. I used to. Praise God, he's healed me a little bit in that thing. Because everything that, everything that people have done felt like some form of rejection. Some form of attack. Who knows that, that when you're in a place of rejection, that when you're in a place where you're not in a good space, it doesn't matter what people say to you or do to you, it feels like it's straight at you. And we take things personal. We do things take things personal, especially when it's our, our private space that's been offended, or our family that's been offended, or our kids have been spoken badly of, or our partners have been spoken badly of by somebody. Being in the ministry is being the biggest lesson. The biggest lesson ever in 23 years. Because you can understand something, that, that you can spend as much time as you want to with people. People are people. People change. People develop. 
We've committed 15, 16, 17 years of our life to people, and one day they just got up and they walked out. No excuse. How do you deal with that kind of thing? How do you not take something like that personal? You know the biggest problem the most people we lose in this church, you know where? Where couples break up. The church is always in the divorce settlement somewhere along the line. Well, you keep your aces, I'm going there. It's a joke, it's a fact. It's a fact. And so we journey this stuff, but we've got to understand something, and somebody once said this, that, that unforgiveness is like me drinking a poison and hoping Jason's going to die. And let me tell you something, if there's something that has held me back most in my life, is being the area of unforgiveness. We have carried a grudge. We have felt rejected. We have felt hurt. We have felt bitter. When someone has betrayed me, when someone has done something that has really hurt me. Because, you know, in life we've got this old saying that says this, that I will forgive you, but I won't forget. That's not forgiveness. That's not forgiveness. And yet, we've got to understand something, that we are coming into a defining moment in this world. And I need to say this to you. Because if you just take a look at what's happening in the world around you, let me tell you something, the space for lukewarm Christianity is falling by the wayside. But that when you look at what is happening in the world where in America they are trying to ban the Bible at the moment, ban the Bible completely. In South Africa we got the new hate speech that if it passes we will not be able to preach the gospel in our nation, that you will not be able to hand out this Bible ever. I watched a video clip on the Satanic Church in America came together this week. And the woman just said that this is an abomination. She stood and she just ripped the Bible to pieces. And I said, oh, thank God. And remember, never just next to that woman in the plane. She's going to get her day. <laughs> but there's coming a defining moment in your life and in my life where we're either going to be sold out to the things of God or we're not. Let me tell you something. That only when you are sold out to something will you properly commit to something. That when you are lukewarming things, you don't commit to it. I ran late this morning for church because I was so watching the comrades, you know, and watching these, these people run. I personally do think they're 18,000 crazy people, you know. <laughs> I mean, who wants to run 90Ks? I mean, I don't even drive 90Ks in my car. But I just thought about the commitment and the dedication to get them to that place. That is practiced every day and it's every morning and it's late at night and they're practicing why? Because they want to achieve something. And those that have committed 100% will make it. Those that didn't take their training seriously won't make it. And we see here by the 12 hour mark tonight how people are falling, carrying each other, dragging each other over the line and those collapsing 20k. We're going to see that. And as I watched that this morning, I felt like it was such a prophetic picture of the church right now. That those are committed, that those are trained daily, that those are spent time in the Word of God, that those are spent time in prayer, that those are spent time in worship, you will make it. But let me tell you something that you cannot run 90Ks being half hearted. You can't just wake up one morning and decide, well, today I'm going to do the comrades. We can't just wake up one morning and say, oh, well, you know, well, it's really not that far. 
And in our Christian walk, we're the same as that this morning though. How many of us are totally committed and how many of us are sold out to our belief system? I remember when I, when I just got saved, I remember reading an article, a book that someone gave me, and the title skips me now. But it was about the move of God in Korea at the time. And you know Korea right now is banned completely. People are being executed for Christianity right now. Missionaries are being executed right now for preaching the gospel. And I read the story of how a 13 and a 14-year-old, two girls, a 13 and a 14-year-old, were meeting in a cave. Five o'clock in the morning, and they were saying they had to be three and five thousand people that could climb this mountain to go worship with this 13 and 14 year old two girls that believed that God called them to build a church in Korea. I read the story of how these people were put on the streets and how they had a gun put to their head and how they tore out, they had to tear out the Bible and denounce it. If they did not, they got shot. And how people got shot because they refused to denounce the word of God or sort of refused. To, to, to deny Christ as Lord and Savior. And I remember that rattled me so badly because I thought to myself, if I ever put myself in that position, what would my stand really be? Would I be one that will be able to stand? Would I be the one that says, well, if you need to shoot me right now, you need to shoot me? Or would we just make another excuse? And well, you know what, Lord, um, you know, I'm, I'll repent and then we'll sort this out afterwards, but you know, I worry about my family and my wife and my kids and... Or will you stand for your faith? Will you stand for what you believe in? And you will only stand for what you believe in is when you're sold out to something. You're sold out to something. That's the only time that you will stand for what you believe in. And if you and I think that this half-hearted Christianity that we got going around the country right now is going to get you and I into the kingdom of heaven with another thing coming... I've seen Christians, Christians that I've served for years, that I've been with for years, that have been in my church for years, all of a sudden compromising on the word of God on Facebook like you cannot believe. That they would take the word of God and they would turn it so it will suit them. That all of a sudden we're not changing the world, all of a sudden the world is changing us. All are we not telling the world what to do, the world is telling us what to do. The world is telling us what to believe. The world is telling us what is acceptable and what is not acceptable. The world is telling us what we're allowed to preach and what we're not allowed to preach. And all of a sudden this mighty kingdom that Jesus is building, this mighty army that is building in the end times, all of a sudden becomes smaller and smaller and smaller and smaller and smaller. Somebody said to us the other day, or oh, I saw a red article, uh, the thing that said, you know, why would a loving God send people to hell? And the response was, he doesn't. He just honors their, their, their decision. God's not sending anybody to hell. It's your decision. I said last week, it's your choice whether you're in this church or not. Nobody's forcing you to be in this church. Nobody's forcing you to come to church. Nobody's forcing you to listen to my sermons or the, or the leadership. It's a choice. But somewhere in this journey, something has to give. And the problem is that we don't grow in the things of God and we don't grow in what God is doing. Why? Because exactly like this, that there's so much unforgiveness in our hearts. Let's call a spade a spade. Let's call a spade a spade. How many of us are still so racist for what we grew up with? 
How many of us are homophobic or xenophobic or whatever phobic that's out there? How much still live in the old things that we cannot forgive? That we cannot see a future, that we cannot see a hope, that we cannot see what God wants to do, not just in our lives, but through our lives and through the life of the church. And I started to discover this because the more unforgiveness I carried in my heart, the further I felt that I was moving away from God. You know, it's that whole thing of you take a page and you put a black dot in the middle and everyone just focuses on the black dot that's written by the page. That is what unforgiveness is. That's what the enemy does with unforgiveness. And yes, you're going to tell me this morning that good, you don't understand what they've done to me. You don't understand what we've been through. Yes, you don't understand what they've put us through. You don't understand what they've said. Does it really matter? The word says, vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. Why is forgiveness so hard? Why? Every one of us in this room have made horrible mistakes. Every one of us in this room, not one of us deserve to be forgiven this morning. Not one. But we are. How often I denied Christ with my lifestyle. How often I denied him with the way I lived and the things that I did. Even my BC days before Christ, you know. We drove, we did all these crazy things. I remember saying, you know, the church is not for me. They're a bunch of hypocrites and money-made people. I find an excuse not to serve God. But in the same breath, I find an excuse not to forgive people. And unforgiveness is like you're walking with a limp for the rest of your life. Unforgiveness is something that has to come from the heart and unforgiveness is something that has to change you and something that you don't remember. Remember the word of God says he removes our sin from us as far as the east is from the west. So he tells the story to his disciples and he says, well, this is, there's this king. Who's he speaking about? He's speaking about himself. He said there's a certain king. And he says there was a person that owed him so much. Who was that? That was me and you. That was you and me. Let me tell you something. 375 ton of silver sounds like a lot. I think when we were to weigh up our sins, it was more than that. And as we threw ourselves at his mercy when we got saved, that as you and I said, Father, would you come? Would you come into my heart? Would you forgive me of my iniquities? Would you forgive me of my sins and the things I've said and done? And the word says that God had pity on us and he forgave us. There was no but why, but if. There was no questions. Forgiveness was released to us. But we cannot operate in that same forgiveness because we're like the other guy that gets forgiven but then holds a grudge against my wife or against my kid or against the ministers, or against the president, or against whatever. And when we think about this analogy that Jesus gives us, it freaks me out. It freaks me out because it tells me that there's absolutely no space in my life for forgiveness. The word of God says, in the same manner, 
in the same manner. Does this mean that if we aren't able to forgive, God is unable to forgive us? Are we the same person? That the word says that, that what happened was there, that, that when he got set free, he went to find someone owed him a couple of pennies. Someone that had spoken wrongly about you. Someone that had maybe taken some of your money. Maybe someone had an affair. And the word of God says that we go and we receive all this forgiveness that God has for us. That his son died on the cross, got beaten, nailed to a cross. You know, all of that took the price that he could forgive us. And then we wouldn't become a nitpick about something so small. And the word of God says, you know what happens then? He says he'll call you back. And he says there'll be gnashing of teeth. What's he speaking about? He says about how. He says unforgiveness is the thing that's going to get you there if you don't sort of life. It's a tough subject to speak about. It's tough to speak about these things because many of us have got real legitimate reasons why we should be angry, right? <laughs> My husband doesn't want to listen to me. My wife doesn't want to listen to me. You don't understand. My husband just spent all our money. I've got nothing left. Or my husband just left me and the four kids. But we don't understand that unforgiveness affects our lives and not their life. Let me tell you something. Probably 90% of the people that you are angry with probably 90% of the people that you have unforgiveness with don't even remember that they offended you. I saw the people and say, oh, well, I had such a horrible childhood. My dad hit me when he was three years old. You know, with a plank or a hose pipe. You know? I can't forgive him. And you know what happens? You watch the rest of the last 40 pieces because they're unable to forgive them. Dad doesn't even remember the hiding. The, the dad doesn't even remember the hiding. Dad doesn't even remember what he said. And somewhere along the line, I found out that we choose to hang on to certain stuff. We choose to hang on to unforgiveness because somehow it justifies our behavior. It justifies what we've done. It justifies, well, you know something? If you did that, then I'm going to do that. And yet, the craziest thing about forgiveness is this, that often the thing that affects us the most, not the forgiveness that we need to share towards others, is the forgiveness in our own lives. That you and I need to forgive ourselves for the things that we've done, the things that we've said. And you know what? When there's unforgiveness in your heart for what you've done, you carry guilt. And when you carry guilt, guilt is something that grows. Guilt is something that the enemy loves. Because if you feel a little bit guilty, he will make you really feel guilty until you deal with that thing. We've all made mistakes. We've all messed up. We've all done bad things. But this is the message of redemption. This is the message of salvation. This is the message that Christ has come to redeem us. The story of restoration. The story of God reconciling man unto himself. 
This is why we're in church. We're in church because we're different. We're in church because we're forgiven. We're in church because we've made whole. We're in church because we've been redeemed. We're in church because we've been, there's a price that has been paid for you and I. We come to church because we celebrate that fact that we are forgiven and that we are renewed and that we are refreshed. But how many of us are able to forgive and to receive the fullness that God has for you? There's something amazing happens in your life when you haven't got guilt. There's something amazing in your heart. Do you know what the problem is? Is that probably 80% of the anger and the bitterness and resentment and the unforgiveness you have is buried so deep inside of you that you don't even know it's there. Who knows what I'm talking about? You won't see something for 20 years and all of a sudden you walk past them all of a sudden emotion comes up. Hey, I just need to just trip them all. <laughs> I remember when that, what that person did to me. Hey? Or you just hear a voice. Or you hear a song. Hey? And it, yeah. Those emotions keep coming back. And that's when you know you really haven't forgiven. How many of those are angry with God? How many of you felt that God has held you a bad hand? How many of you want to understand why, why my husband went? Why did my grandpa go? Why did my son die so young? Why did my daughter do what she did? And all of a sudden we've got this anger towards God. And it's not that you and I would verbalize that we're angry or we hate God. But inside of us there's this thing, but why God? Isn't it? We always want to know the why. We always want to know why did we journey what we journey? Why did God allow us to go through what we went through? Why did God allow us to happen to these people without me? Why did God allow me to journey this thing? Let me tell you something. Everything that you've journeyed in your life has either been for a good or for a bad reason. But it's been for a reason. And if we change our attitude, it doesn't matter what you and I journey, journey, it will be a positive outcome. We will believe and commit these things to God and say, God, what is it you want in my life right now? There's people in this church that are so angry. There's people in this church that are caught up with such nonsense and not in the things of God. I can see the anger in the way you speak. I can see the anger in the way you speak to your kids. I can see the anger in the way you speak to each other. I see the anger in the how quickly you get offended by the smallest of things. And that only tells me that you're carrying unforgiveness in your heart. Marriages. Your marriage will never survive if there's unforgiveness in your heart. Towards your spouse. You can do what you want to. You can be the best husband, best wife in the world. Tell you when there's something that's unsettled. Hey, like cancer, it grows. It grows. You want a word of advice? Deal with your stuff. Deal with your stuff. I learned that very quickly. And I learned the hard way because I carried grudges for a very long time. And I was hurt for a very long time. You know why I knew that? Because every time something came up, I would speak about the same people that offended me. Two of us. I had this story to tell. 
But you know what was so good to them? I love, you don't understand, I paid medical, I paid their boarding. I paid for their houses, I paid for the boards in their cars, they did this to me. You see, the problem is this, is that we always do something because we want the recognition. But we don't understand that we're a conjurer of what God does. That whatever God uses me to do is not for my glory. It's for His glory. People should not even see us in the process. People should not even see what we're doing. Because why? We want to see the hand of God move into our lives. But somewhere along the line, we stay angry with God. Somewhere along the line, we got anger because of something that happened in our childhood or our spouses. Somewhere along the line, we carry this unforgiveness in our hearts because somebody said something or somebody did something. And as I said, I had to learn the hard way because I carried grudges very quickly. But I learned the value of forgiveness. And I learned the value of family. And I learned the value of relationships with my dad. Ambulance picked him up on a, on a Sunday. Thursday he was gone. Mom couldn't see him. I couldn't see him. Nobody could see him. And how many of us lose loved ones and there's still so much unforgiveness towards them? There's some of you that you haven't spoken to your parents for years. There's some of you that haven't spoken to your brothers for years. Some of you that haven't spoken to your friends for years. And yet, the same Spirit raised Christ from the dead is where? Within us. The nature of Christ in you should force you to walk in forgiveness. The nature of Christ. If Christ is in you, the hope of glory. The same spirit that raised Christ from the dead, if that spirit is within you, if the same spirit that fell on the day of Pentecost within you, and you're filled with the things of God, there is no way you can carry forgiveness in that same spirit. How? That if you and I are Christ-like, how can we have opposite to with the nature of Christ? Because then are we really spiritual? Do we really have the nature of Christ in us? Do people see you and want to spend time with you? Or do people see you and want to run? Do people come and share their heart with you? And I know this is one of those difficult things, but you know, I, I notice Jesus does this all the time, you know? He keeps that last little sermon for that hard one, you know? But even when I was reading through it the last couple of weeks, I started to search my own heart. <laughs> Yo, I didn't realize I was angry with so many people. And you know what the unforgiveness did? It made me trust no one. It let me, I would let not let anybody into this little circle. Because if I let you in, you're going to hurt me again. You know why? Because the last five people did it to me. So we guard ourselves. And when we guard ourselves, we continue just to live in unforgiveness. In anger. In the what if. But if only you knew what they did to me. It doesn't matter. Listen to me. Listen to me. Listen to me. There are people that have been hurt 10,000 more than you. And they are flourishing because they learn to forgive. Let me tell you something. That the enemy uses unforgiveness to keep you and take you away from the things of God. 
He just reminds you every now and again that unforgiveness. He reminds you every now and again the little thing your dad said or your brother that was just being stupid or this friend at work that said something. The nature of Christ in you must be able to forgive and to release forgiveness. And when you release forgiveness towards others, the word of God says that He is able and just to forgive you of all your iniquities. And so there's this process. Because somehow along the line, you and I think that we can walk around with unforgiveness in our heart, and Jesus just loves me so much that every day He just forgives me. And don't worry about it, Kurt. Don't worry about unforgiveness. Don't worry about the bitterness, Kurt. Don't worry about the resentment. You know, it's fine. You'll get through it. No. I felt like that servant this week that Jesus called back. I promise you. I even went to the farm for two days just to catch my breath. Because that's how I felt. I felt like a guy that Jesus called back. I felt like he called me back and said, Kurt, have I not forgiven you your debt? Why are you carrying this still? Why are you demanding forgiveness from others when I'm already forgiven you? It's hectic. Because somehow we, we, we know people by what they did. Have you noticed? We don't call people by their name. We call them by their sin. You know? Remember David, that alcoholic? Remember that? You know? Hey? Yeah, remember Amber, that, that witch? She's been saved for 25 years. But that's how you remember. And why is it that the enemy calls us by our sin and he calls us by our name? And somewhere along the line, we tend to believe that. What did you say? That anybody that is an outsider, let you cast the first stone. He said, there we are, go for it. You that are so perfect, you that are so amazing, you that is without sin. He's not even speaking to the, he's speaking to the Pharisees and the scribes. These are the holiest of holy people at the time. And I always laugh because they called this woman adultery, but I don't know where the guy was. <laughs> did he get away? <laughs> was it only the woman that was called adultery? Was he an innocent bystander? How the world has changed. Men got away with stuff. Listen to me. Men still get away with stuff. You sleep with five women and the world says you're cool. Girls, you sleep with five guys and you're slut. And you've been up and slut the rest of your life. This comes out of our mouth, people. This is the, this is, this is the, this is the truth. I'm not sucking the stuff out of my thumb. This is Jesus doing this stuff. And we hate these kind of sermons. Because we're going to have to go home. Because I'm going to tell you what this week, you know what's going to happen? He's going to call you back. Like he had with me. He's like, come here. Come here. Phone your friend. Phone your brother you criticized for so long. Phone your mother. Come. Unless you want me to reverse your part.
And forgiveness is a horrible thing. Forgiveness is the greatest gift on earth. Let me tell you something. If you ever want to feel emancipated, if you ever want to just feel the freedom and the power of God in your life, fall on your face and forgive those who have hurt you. Forgive yourself. Forgive God for the things you carried against him. Do we understand why things happen? No, we don't. But all that I know is one thing is this, that God says, I will work all things for the good in your life. And let me tell you something, my hardest journeys, my most difficult things that I had to endure, hey, came at a great price, but the victory was sweet. It's time to let go. It's time to let go. It's time to forgive. It's time to release. It's like Jesus said, come. My 375 tons, he removed. And I'm going to worry about Chantal 25 and 54 cents. <laughs> Will you close your eyes? I want you to sit there for a moment. Actually, let's stand. You've been sitting for long. Because I want to pray this morning that God, as hard as what's going to be for you, will bring certain things to remembrance in your heart this morning. Bring remembrance into your heart for when people have hurt you, when people have scarred your heart, in a sense. And I know there's women here that have been abused, there's women here that have been beaten. There's women here that have been raped, just men in the other in this church that have, have been raped. There's all kinds of stuff. And I, I can't understand what that kind of forgiveness was good like because I've never journeyed that journey that you've walked. But I want to tell you this, that Jesus is bigger than any, any, unforgiveness you might carry in your heart. And I want to say to you this morning that it doesn't matter what you've journeyed, God will work it for the good in your life. We are not known by our sin. We are not known by our failures. People are not known to us because of their sin or what they've done to us. That when we carry the nature of Christ in us, we need to act like him. We need to be like him. We need to look like him and sound like him and speak like him and learn to forgive like him. Nobody has asked any of you here to go hang on the cross with the person next to you. Nobody has asked you to be beaten in the hole because of the person next to you. Nobody's asking you today to shove crown the thorns in your head or spear, pierce your side with a spear because of anger or unforgiveness. We tend to do that to ourselves. And Father, I want to come this morning and pray that forgiveness will start to resonate in our hearts in this church. 
that unforgiveness has kept us so far from your presence at times. And at times, yes, Lord, you have given us so much, and yet we, we refuse to re re release that forgiveness to those that have such a small thing against us or with us. And if you're battling this morning, if you're really struggling with unforgiveness in your heart this morning, or you just feel like you cannot forgive anybody, or you're struggling to forgive someone, and not your personal journey, but if that is you this morning, just, just put up your hand, just hold your hand up there and say, could you? There's something I need to do with. Thanks for that. Thanks for those hands. Thanks for those hands. Father, you know that I haven't got the ability this morning to do anything. I haven't got the ability to, to remove unforgiveness out of their hearts. I haven't got the ability this morning, Father, to, you know, renew their lives. But I know that you do. I know the weight that they're carrying, but I know that you, are con you, are, you know exactly the weight of their burden. And Father, I want to pray that you'd release forgiveness over this church this morning like never before, even as a church, even as a church, Father, we repent of doubting you. We repent of, of questioning your timing and your behavior and your decisions. We repent this morning of the times as leadership and, and even as people where we've been hurt by other people, where people have walked out that door, where people have said stuff. Father, we want to release forgiveness to every person that as a church that we've offended and hurt. And we want to choose new life this morning. We want to choose new life. Whether we like it or not, church, everyone in this room, everyone in this room, I don't care who you are, is carrying some I know there's a few guys who are brave enough to put up their hands this morning, but every one of us are journeying something. And maybe it's something in your past you don't even know about, I'm going to ask God to reveal that to you. But I want to pray that you start to walk in such freedom, in such an anointing. And so, Father, I come and I pray for everyone, for those guys, just put up their hands again. Father, I want to pray for every hand that is up this morning, in the name of Jesus, that you come and just be God in their lives, that you release unbelievable forgiveness not just towards them mother but to those that have offended them i pray that they with their hearts have been made hard that you release forgiveness and make them give them a heart of flesh again i pray that the things that the enemy has hidden in our mind that is, keeps on ankle tapping us i pray that those things will be exposed and released this morning i pray for the fullness of your spirit to come upon each and every person this morning i pray for the spirit of god that you will come like the syringe this morning and top of the from the top of my head and will force out everything that is not of you. All anger, all bitterness, all unforgiveness, all madness, all, you know, um, revenge. Let it go. And may we just worship you and may the nature of Christ, the hope of glory, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, the Spirit of God in us, Father, release and show the world 
that Jesus is alive, that he is well, that he's on the throne, and that we serve him faithfully. And even as the journey gets harder for us as believers, that you would come and strengthen us from an innermost being, Father, that you'd move mightily in our lives this morning. And we thank you for that.